Do you struggle with structure? Does your promising start meander its way through a confusing middle with an ending that seems to come out of nowhere, losing the thread of what you were trying to say? We're going to look at the three-act structure. One of the most universally used narrative drivers that you'll see everywhere, in film, theatre and in books. In this first episode, we're going to explore the narrative purpose of Act 1. How it helps to establish the problem of the world and guide your protagonist on the start of a journey that's driven by clear objectives. Welcome to the very first Write for the Stage podcast. This is going to be a mixed format programme of episodes that cover writing devices that will help you structure your stories, create more convincing dialogue and bring your characters to life. Additionally, we'll be having debates and conversations with established playwrights. Write for the Stage developed, um, became a development agency that grew out of Studio Salford, a collective of fringe theatre companies whose home is at the King's Arms Theatre in Salford. Over the years, we produced in excess of 100 plays and over that time lots of people came up to us and asked how they start writing a play, where to start. So that's why I started up right for the stage. Act one is sometimes known as the exposition. It's the starting point of the play, but it's probably not the starting point of the world of the story or the total narrative. That starts maybe when they were born. It could start 10 years ago, 50 years ago, however long. But the purpose of Act 1 is to set up the world of the story, and more specifically, to establish the problem of the world facing the main character or the protagonist. It's usually best to avoid spending the first 10 pages of your scripts just establishing the world and the characters. Obviously, it's important to establish the world and the characters, but have them already formed and in the midst of a crisis, or at least they're about to walk into a crisis. Conflict is the root of all drama and of comedy, so we aim to establish conflict in the opening pages and ramp it up from there. We should give our characters life-threatening challenges. Conflict is the root of all drama, so we should give them the opportunity to demonstrate their mettle through facing life-threatening and life-changing challenges. When, when, when we say life-threatening, perhaps doesn't mean that someone's going to walk up to them with a gun, gun to their head, but it's a challenge that's going to change the world forever. Three-act structure is a really useful framework in or, that will help us to drive our character's emotional journey. The classic analogy that is often used is that you make your character climb a tree, you throw stones at them, and then you ask them to come down and ask them to demonstrate how they feel. And essentially, it's all about how they've changed as a result of the experience. So making your character climb a tree effectively is you know you establish the the problem of the world and the character and hopefully the character's objective which I'll talk about a little bit later and make you make them climb a tree you, you kind of take them out of the safety of um, of the world that they're kind of um, surrounded by 
throwing stones at them is basically just an analogy for giving them obstacles and conflicts and um, complications and problems that they've got to overcome in the pursuit of their objective. So through those stones being thrown at them, they're going to change in some way. They're going to discover that they've got, I don't know, inner strength or that they, that they really do need to um, address something within themselves to change the problem of the world at the beginning of the story. So essentially, when we ask them to come down from the experience of having all the stones thrown at them, um, hopefully they come down a different person. They've changed as a, as a result of the experience that they have had. There's a lot of threes in creative writing and the three stage template of basic dramatic action are the motivating pressures mounting, the response and the conflict and the resolution. So you could say that act one is all about the motivating pressures mounting. So it's all of the things that are going to kind of force the main character to go out and do something about the problem of the world. So all of the problems that um, kind of relate to their unfulfilled existence at the beginning of the story, or if you're writing a tragedy, their incredibly fulfilled existence, um, all of those pressures are going to force them to go and do something and to make decisions that's going to change the rest of the world. So the motivating pressures mounting are where we start. So that's the opening of our story. The, resp the response to those motivating pressures and the conflict, you could say, is act two, and then the resolution you could say is act three. But really, that's also the, it's the micro and the macro. It's the entirety of dramatic action. It's the whole story and it's each unit of action. It's each um, little moment of the story that kind of moves from one, one, from one dramatic question to another, to another, to another. The thing that drives the three act structure is a character's wants and needs. So one of the first tasks that we need to complete as a writer and as a constructor of story is to identify a character's wants and their needs. Now wants and needs are, um, are, are different. A want is, um, is something tangible. So if you've ever been a teacher, you, you might be familiar with the expression smart objectives. So smart means specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. I always stick an E at the end of that and it's um, essential. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound and essential. So this is really about trying to identify what's going to really drive a character to get off their arse and go and kind of do something. So for example, you might say my character wants love and love is actually a little bit wishy-washy as an objective because I mean, you could say it's specific, perhaps, but is it measurable? How do you know when someone has achieved love? So is it measurable? And so if it's not measurable, then it's difficult to drive that character towards it. So if they really want love, but maybe what they really want at the time is to, um, is to get engaged. So that's a little bit more measurable because you can either get engaged or you don't get engaged. So it's specific to get engaged. It's measurable, you either get engaged or you don't. It's achievable potentially, realistic potentially, and time bound. Now time bound um, really puts pressure on the character to act quickly. And it's one of the most fun elements of, 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 of creating a dramatic 
construct. So if, for example, they wanted to get they wanted to get engaged, but they gave themselves six years to do it, they're probably not going to, you know, they're not going to um, necessarily act particularly quickly in order to get that done. There, there might be a bit of a slow burn. If you give them a week in which to get um, engaged, it sticks a rocket up their ass and it gets them to go out and you know and, and do it so in one of my plays um plus one which is in my book um mike Heath plays one um the main character um is invited to his cousin's wedding and he doesn't want to be the single gay guy at the, the family wedding again because everyone always wants to you know, know why he's not kind of pairing up. So him and his friends decide that they're going to go and find a significant other, um, but they've only got a week in which to do it. So it forces them to kind of get off their backsides and go and do it. So a character's want is tangible. It's something that's kind of generally relatively easily achieved. But you know, we make um, obstacles and complications and all that kind of thing so that the character doesn't achieve it really quickly, otherwise we don't have much of a story. A character's need, on the other hand, is usually way harder to achieve. And actually, a, a, a character's need generally refers to um, a character's emotional need. And as we all know, our emotional needs are much harder to fulfill and to kind of satisfy, if you like. So in, in um, in plus one, if we go back to that, um, Jay wants to find a, signif a significant other um, to take to the wedding, and he finds someone. But you know, he, he's he's not. But then, but then he realizes that the problem of the world was that he was lonely, and actually, he can't kind of just be happy with this um, significant other. So it forces him to address the reason why he can't be happy with um, someone else. And you know that that kind of drives him down into um, into the low point. Now we're really talking about Act Two here, as opposed to Act Three. But I think it's important to establish what the difference between a want and a need is really early on, so we can so it helps us to formulate the the shape of the whole piece. So a character's desire or the conflict of is the starting point of drama, and that's what Act One is all about. And this journey that we're going to that we're going to go on is going to bring about emotional change. I'm often asked, how do you determine who the main character of your story is, and is it important to establish who your main character is? And the answer to that is yes, it's very important to establish who the main character is because they're the ones who's going to drive the um, narrative, the, drive the narrative of the story. So. Sometimes it's difficult to identify which of the characters that you've created um, is the main character and the, or the protagonist. And really, the, the best definition, I think, of what a protagonist is, is to identify the character with the biggest problem at the beginning of the story. It's the character with the biggest potential journey. And they should have a really clear objective related to the problem of the world. And when we've found which character has the biggest problem and the biggest potential journey, that's when we know who our protagonist is. Once we've established our protagonist and we've established what they want and what's going to drive them to go on this journey, um, we need to 
give them some obstacles because otherwise if, if a character just wants something and then just immediately goes out and gets it we don't have much of a story there's not a lot of drama so an antagonist is just a character it doesn't have to be Darth Vader obviously Darth Vader is a great antagonist but an antagonist is a character who obstructs so um, they stop the main character the protagonist from achieving their objective you could say that the protagonist embodies the problem of the world. So the main character is trying to overcome the problems of the world and the antagonist, perhaps you could say, is there to basically stop the main character from moving forward. Act one is all about establishing the problem of the world, but by not by describing it, but by plunging our protagonist, our main character, into a situation that demonstrates what the problem of the world really is. So we start at a, at a moment of high drama or high comedy, if you're if we're writing a com comedy, and we discover that the character um, lives in this world where they're struggling to cope with something. And we'll talk about um, the my play, The Game of Two Halves, which is available in one in my one of my books, um, Mike Heath Plays One. So if you have a read of that, then you'll know a little bit more about the um, about that particular play, which I'll be talking about in a little bit. But the um, but we see the character plunged into the problem of the world and trying to struggle with the struggle against the problem of the world. And through um, through dramatic conflict or comedic conflict, we discover more and more about how the problem of the world is affecting the character to their chagrin you know to, to their um to, you know to making life for them harder than it perhaps could be towards the end of act one after we've been establishing this problem of the world and how it's affecting our main character we have what is what is known as the inciting incident and the inciting incident um, happens towards the end of act one and it basically dry, um, plunges us into um, a, a point of no return. So it's, it's often a decision, is always a strong inciting incident. So in the game of two halves, um, the inciting incident is, Tom, is Pete's decision to allow Simon to come along to the football match. I'll talk about that in a bit more detail a little later. But the inciting incident happens at the end of Act 1. And it basically propels us into the story that you um, that you follow in Act Two and beyond. The problem of the world of the play is indelibly linked with the orphan status of the protagonist at the start of the story. We often refer to a protagonist as an orphan at the start of the story. That doesn't mean that they're that they're necessarily an actual orphan, but in some way their world is incomplete. Or if you're writing a tragedy, you often start with the world in its most complete state, showing us what the protagonist is about to lose. As in the opening, um, the opening act of All My Sons by Arthur Miller. The problem of the world in The Game of Two Halves is that Pete isn't being honest with his work colleagues and is living a double life. The problem exacerbated when those two worlds collide. Pete isn't out at work and he's constructed a story of a wife who has passed away in an attempt to stop people trying to matchmake him with the women in the office. Tom, his best friend at work, knows only of the carefully constructed world of the work Pete. So part of the problem of the world for Pete is that he keeps his work life and his per personal life strictly separate and never the twain shall meet. 
Of course, the other side of his life is the life he shares with his boyfriend Simon, an existence of comfort and happiness. So, Pete has fabricated this double life, ironically trying to set about making work life easier. But of course, by aiming for an easy life in this way, he's made his existence and the world he operates in all the more complicated. Simon, his partner, thinks that Pete should just come out of work, but he has no knowledge of Pete's completely fabricated backstory. But in the second scene of Act One, we discover that Pete is totally at ease at home and the tensions of the workplace have been dissipated. So when Tom rings Pete out of the blue to offer him tickets for the football, Pete happily agrees to go to the match. Simon overhears Pete discuss a spare ticket with Tom and Pete feels obliged to ask Simon if he wants to come along, kind of knowing full well that Simon isn't going to want to go to a football match. However, Simon agrees to come along and after a little bit of to and fro- toing and froing, um, Pete agrees to let him come. This decision to let him come is the inciting incident and this happens towards the end of Act 1, the event that's going to change everything. So by agreeing... Um, so Pete agreeing to let Simon come to the football is is a, is about to change the world forever and it's going to force Pete to confront the problem of the world. As is Pete's way, however, he wants to maintain the status quo and more specifically, he wants the day trip to go with no major dramas. But the two worlds are set to collide along with the two disparate perceptions of who Pete is in the eyes of Tom and Simon. The inciting incident is an event that happens in the story that's going to change the world forever. And it's going to basically, the thing that's going to force the character to climb a tree. It takes them out of the kind of relative safety um, of the world with the problem in it. And they're all the way through, the, the problem of the world is the thing that drives the objective. It's, it's the thing that they're trying to, it's the problem they're trying to solve all the way through the story. And in the first half of the story, and we'll talk about this in much more depth when we talk about Act 2, but um, the first half of the story is driven by the character's want. And in The Game of Two Halves, Pete has decided to uh, invite Simon along to the football because, you know, at the end of the day, he loves him and he wants him to kind of just share this experience. But what Pete really wants is just to have... An, an easy day, a day where there's no conflict and um, and everyone's just going to get on well together. Um, so that's actually obviously going to be um, going to create loads of problems because he wants it just to be kind of um, an, a nice easy day. But then Simon is there and Tom is there and they both have differing understandings of who Pete is. So the so the problem of the world is um, made all the more um, problematic because Pete wants one thing, everyone else kind of wants something different. And so they're just naturally locked into conflict. In the next episode, we're going to be exploring Act 2 of the three-act structure. But before that, we're also going to have a conversation with Stephen M. Hornby, who's a great playwright based in Manchester who uses archive material to write historically based um, plays. He's one of the um, most prominent LGBT writers in the country and he is also um, the writer in residence for the LGBT History Month. Until then, thank you very much for listening. 
if you've got any questions or if you've got any um, comments about the show, you if you've got the Anchor app, you can send us a voice message and we can feature that voice message in your next in the next episode. Um, or you can email us. You can email me at mike at writeforthestage.co.uk. If you're interested in Write for the Stage courses, um, we run them um, at the King's Arms Theatre in Salford, but we also run them online as well. So, um, so if you are interested in learning more about writing for the stage, then go to writeforthestage.co.uk and you can find some more information. And um, and yeah, we, I've helped people from all over the world write their plays. So. Um, the world is a small place when we've got the internet. So if you are interested, please get in touch. <laughs>